Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. All right, all right. Well, we are in this series right now, as you saw, that we're simply calling My Christmas Playlist. And during this series, as I mentioned moments ago, we are taking a look at some familiar Christmas songs, traditional Christmas songs, and asking the very, this very question, what is the playlist that you are allowing to play over and over in your mind this Christmas season? Now, I'm not talking about what are you playing on the radio. I'm not talking about what, what playlist you set up on your Apple Music account or your Spotify account. What I'm talking about is what are the, the lies or what are the things that you continue to let go and repeat in your mind? The discouragement, fear, doubts, hopelessness, insecurities. What are those things that you're allowing to continue to play and they're captivating perhaps your every moment of every day? Jesus reminds us, the Bible reminds us that what we need to focus our mind in upon is that which is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. We've got to allow our mind to be fixed upon the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's what's got to be a regular part of our playlist and the repeat in our mind. So today, I want to look at a traditional song. We sang part of it during worship this morning. The song, O Come... Are you faithful? Now, this particular song, um, there are many opinions of who wrote it. Some say it was John Francis Wade in the mid-1700s, but truth be told, there are some manuscripts that date back um, to as early as the 13th century. How many of you were there? Anybody? I have one person in the back that, that was there in that moment. Uh, maybe after service you could tell us who wrote the song. Um, but there are numerous opinions on who wrote this particular Christmas carol. Originally, <coughs> excuse me, there were four verses. Later, there were four more added, so a total of eight. But how many you know here in America, we like to do things different. We sing three of them. So that's what we're going to look at today is the three that we are familiar with that are on repeat in our minds. Our text is taken from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3, and it says this. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Would you read that verse with me this morning? Really let that sink in. Are you ready? Here we go. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Now, come on, it doesn't say let love and faithfulness be a regular part of your life. It doesn't say let it be on repeat in your minds, but never let it leave you. In other words, it's got to be a part of the DNA of who you are. It's got to be a part of the foundation that you build your life upon, this idea of love and faithfulness. So with that being said, I want to look at three expressions of faithfulness taken from this old, familiar, traditional Christmas song, O Come, Are You Faithful? Number one, and I challenge you to take really good notes this morning, is this. Be willing to remain faithful. Come on, look at this. Be willing. Why did I put that word willing in there? Because if it's forced, it's not going to work anyway. Right? 
if someone is going to force me to do something, I'm not going to go into it wholeheartedly. I'm going to give it a ho-hum response. I'm going to give it a partial response. But if there's something that I'm passionate about, if there's something I'm serious about, if there's something I'm longing to do, I'm going to give it my 100%. I'm going to give it my best, right? Come on, you're awful quiet this morning. We're called to be faithful, and the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, never let faithfulness leave you. Allow it to remain a part of who you are, but you've got to be willing to step into that. I want to look at our Christmas story this morning in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now, Mary was a young girl, 15, perhaps 16 years old. She was engaged to be married to a man by the name of Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Come on, set the scene right now. Imagine this. Here Mary is. She's sitting by herself, perhaps in her room on the edge of her bed or whatever she happened to be doing in the moment. And she's just hanging out in her, by herself in her moment. And the angel of the Lord Gabriel shows up. Could you imagine what she experienced? Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. I love verse 29. It's so honest and real. It says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to figure out what the angel could mean. She's like, I'm not even a woman yet. I don't know that I'm favored. Why is God here? Right, right? Are you you with me? Are you trekking along here? The angel appears to you. Come on. She's confused, she's bewildered, she's disturbed, can't figure out what the angel could mean. And the angel says something profound in that moment. It says, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be named Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born to you will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left. May everything you have said about me come true. Mary had a choice to make in that moment. Will she choose, is she willing to be faithful to the call of God? I ask you the same question this morning. Are you willing to let God begin in you what perhaps you really don't understand? Are you willing to be faithful no matter what? And that's the question. I'm not asking you, are you willing to be faithful if you know the conclusion? 
That's easy, right? If I know the outcome, if I know the end result, it's easy to say, I'm in. If someone says, 100% guarantee this is the end result, I'm like, come on, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's go forward. But if someone walks up and they say, hey, how about we do this? I don't know what it's going to look like on the other side. Let's jump this ramp. I don't know if we're going to land. I don't know if we're going to make it, but let's just go. Man, the, the natural side of me goes, I don't know about that. I'm not sure I can do that. But here we have the Son of God, Jesus. And he's calling out to you today, and I, and I wonder, as he gives you direction, as he gives you that next step, and he's, as he's calling you to move forward with him, are you willing, are you ready, are you willing to choose today to say, yes, Lord, whatever you say, may it happen just as you have said, even though you don't know the outcome. You see, oftentimes, this is the challenge in our lives. The most difficult thing that we are asked to do is be willing to move forward when we can't see the next step in front of us. The most difficult thing is that we're asked to move forward when we can't see that next step. We read verses like Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 regularly. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. We read that and we think, man, that's a great scripture. But are we willing to take it to heart? Understand this. Our text is just two verses prior to this. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. How do we accomplish that? How do we come to that place that we remain faithful no matter what, that we allow the love of God to run true inside of us, that it begins to grow in us and overflow in us till it pours out to those around us? How do we get to that place? We trust God. We rely upon God. We depend upon God even when we don't understand. And then it says, seek his will. Lord, I call out to you right now. Lord, I can't see the end of this tunnel, God. I don't know where I'm headed, God. I don't know what I'm doing, God. All I know is you've called me to take this next step. All I know, God, is you've called me to step out. So, Lord, I'm going to faithfully, God, I'm going to willfully follow after you, God. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Lord, I'm going to seek your will. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to follow after you, Lord, because I know that as I do that, as I progress in you, Lord, you'll make that path straight. Lord, you'll give me that next step. Now understand this. He may not give you the whole plan. I've shared this before, but when I first got into ministry, I was asking God one Saturday night. We had a prayer service at 6 p.m. on a Saturday night, and I was on the platform. There was an old, what they call, deacon pew. How many of your old school church, you remember what a deacon pew is? Come on. Deacon pew sat right up here. That's where the deacon sat. Hence the name Deacon Pew, okay? 
So the deacon pew was right there, and we didn't have deacons sitting there, but that was my seat. I was part-time music guy at that church, and I was, I was sitting in that seat, and I began to pray, and I began asking God, God, what do you have for my future? God, what do you want me to do? He had just called me into the ministry, and I was like Mary. I was a little bewildered. I was cast out in my mind. I didn't understand what was happening. All I knew is I couldn't stay teaching anymore. I had to go in the ministry. I don't know what that looked like. I began to cry out, God, what do you have? Now, I would have loved if God would have said, well, here's what you're going to do for the next five years, and then after that, here's your 10-year plan, 15-year plan. This is, this is easy, really easy laid out. In fact, when you get home, I'm going to have this all manuscript out for you so you can read it and know what, exactly what you're going to do, right? That would be great. But God said, when I'm ready to tell you, I'll tell you. And I'm like, come on. Right? But I had to be willing to be faithful. Lord, I'm going to trust you, even though I don't know the outcome. Lord, even though I don't know the steps, I know the next step. That's all I got, God. That's all I've got. I, I know the next step. And boom, here I am. Lord, guide me the next step. I take that step. Okay, God, now guide me the next step. Okay, God, seek his will in all you do. Seek his face. Follow after him. God, I got you. God, here's the next step. He's going to make that path straight. He's going to give you that next step to take. But I've got to willfully give my life and, give and surrender it all, my will, my desire, my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations. I've got to lay it all out and say, God, whatever you have, here I am. Lord, I'm ready to go. But here's the problem. Many times we come up with a myriad of excuses of why that just can't be. Right, come on. Anybody else really good at coming up with excuses? Yeah, like two of you. Come on. We're, we're all really, really good at coming up with reasons why we can't. Maybe you say things like this. I just don't know what to do. I know God's calling me to do something great. I know God's calling me to step out and do something, but I just don't know what to do. It's Pastor Mark Batterson, author Mark Batterson, that once said this, if you want to see God move, make a move. Come on, isn't that, that's profound, isn't it? If you want to see God move, make a move. You, you've got to begin to take that step, seek his face. Boom, take that step. God's going to give you that next step. Or we may say things like this, well, I'm just not qualified. Come on, anybody ever felt that way? I, I just can't do this. I don't know that I'm going to have the right words to say. I don't know that I'm going to have the right abilities. I'm not sure that I'm really going to be able to do what you want me to do. I'm just really not qualified. I, I must not be the right one. Or maybe you say this, I'm afraid that I'll fail. Man, we don't like to fail, do we? Many of us don't like to fail. But are we willing to trust God? Or maybe we say this, I, I'm not the right person. Mary could have said that. She was bewildered. She was confused. She could have said, whoa, Gabriel, I think you got the wrong person. There's this classmate of mine. She lives about five houses down. I think she's the right one. Right? Because we, we, in our minds, when God calls us to do something, we always have somebody else in mind. You know, I love when somebody calls me, here at the church, and they'll say, Pastor, I'm telling you, man, God's really being stern on me. I believe that we need to start a ministry for fill in the blank. 
my response is always this, when do you want to start? Why do I say that? Because apparently God's given you a passion for it. Apparently God's giving you a desire for it. Apparently God's stirring something in you. It's as if Gabriel approached you and said, greetings, favored woman. Greetings, favored man. Are you willing to be faithful no matter what? I can imagine Mary in that moment, confused and bewildered and disturbed, literally means she was greatly troubled and was processing through all the reasons why this could possibly be happening. Why would God choose Mary? She was a poor teenage girl. By all accounts, she had nothing to add to the table. You may be here this morning, like Mary, God has called you to move forward in some area, and you're asking this very question, God, I'm not sure that I want to step out of my comfort zone. God's saying, I want you to move beyond yourself, beyond what you understand. But God, I'm just not sure I feel qualified for this. You may not feel that you have anything to offer, but God is saying this to you today. Or you are saying this to God today. Why are you choosing me? I'm not equipped for the job. Get somebody else. And I look at the response of the moment with Mary and Joseph. It says the angel Gabriel looked at Mary and said this. Do not be afraid. The same thing that the angel said to Gabriel Do not be afraid. This is where a life of faithfulness comes into play. The Bible reminds us that the faithfulness of God never ends. It's always there. It's always renewing for us. Therefore, I believe that God is not calling us to understand. He has called us to faithfulness. Come on, that's a great place for a Pentecostal bunch to say amen. But hey, who am I to say God hasn't called you to understand every step of the way. God hasn't called you to have it all figured out. But what he's called you to in this moment, in this season, in this time, is into a life of faithfulness. How did Mary respond? She said, Lord, here I am. Send me. All we have preceding this is the Bible says Mary was confused. She was trying to figure out why all of this was happening. Then she sat and she listened. She asked a question and questions are okay. How can this happen? I'm not married. I've never been with a man. Angel begins to share with her some details and then she says, here's the deal. Here I am. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me in this moment, in this time, right here and right now, may it all come true. But here's the problem. Too often we allow that wrong song to go on repeat. The opinions of others becomes louder than the opinion of God. 
self-doubt begins to radiate at the highest volume in our minds. I can't, I can't do that. And we talk ourselves out of it time and time again. Even, even though God is going, you know what? Don't fear. I've got this. You're not by yourself. Oh, I know it doesn't make a bit of sense, but I'm with you every step of the way. We allow insecurities to have full reign of our mental playlist. Take a look at our song today. It says, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. I began looking at this verse, and I realized that this idea of faithfulness begins with immediate obedience. And immediate obedience begins with action. Come on, are you with me today? Come on, you guys are quiet. Come on, shake your neighbor today. Say, wake up. This immediate obedience, it begins the moment that we say, Lord, let's do this. God, let's get into the game. God, I'm going to step out with you. Because if all we do is think, oh, that's a great idea, God. That's a great idea. That, that would be really good one day. God, that's a great plan for later. God, I'll do that another time. And we push him away. See, the difference between immediate obedience and disobedience isn't very big. Anything less than immediate obedience is just that, disobedience. Deferred obedience is disobedience, right? And God's saying, are, are you willing today to make the move? Oh, come, are you faithful? It's time to get up. It's time to begin to move. It's time to take action. It's time to follow. And secondly, it says joyful and triumphant. Can I remind you today, people of God, that we win. Come on, if you read the end of the book, we win. If you read the end of the book, we're triumphant. And all through here, it tells us that we're more than conquerors. The problem is, the world has convinced us that we're the victim, that we're the martyr. God hasn't called you to live in that land. He's called you to live triumphantly with him. Our second expression is this, be willing to faithfully exalt him. To faithfully exalt him. We've got to choose to be faithful. And number two, we've got to willfully faithfully exalt him. That word exalt by definition is this, to raise to a higher level or to praise highly. I wonder today, are you willing to faithfully exalt the Lord? Yes. Sorry, I was waiting for an answer. Are you will, willing to willfully exalt the Lord? Now it's easy to say that right now, isn't it? Because you're surrounded by a bunch of other people that are going to say yes. 
But what happens tomorrow? What happens if you're watching online? It's not as easy to say yes to that, is it? Because suddenly the struggles and the difficulties and the problems and the anxieties and the depression and the doubt and the discouragement and the lies of the enemy and the opinions of others begin to radiate in our mind and that playlist continues on and on and we're like, I just don't know. Are we willing to faithfully worship him? See, your ability to faithfully exalt Jesus is contingent upon what you allow to play in your mind every day. Our second verse says this, sing choirs of angels, sing in exaltation, oh sing all ye bright hosts of heaven above, glory to God, all glory in the highest. And I began to read this and I couldn't help but think of the wise men. And these guys were faithful in their trek. By all historical proof, the wise men, I know this is going to rock some of your worlds. It's going to mess up your nativity scene. But I got to tell you today, by all historical proof, the wise men did not make it to the manger. I know. Every nativity scene you've ever seen, all those you have in your house suddenly are wrong. Oh, I still put mine up. I've got a couple different nativity scenes. They've all got the wise men and the shepherds and the, and the camels and the sheep and all these things. It's just what we do. But truth be told, the wise men did not make it to the manger. I'm told that they traveled at least 700 kilometers to get to the house where Mary and Joseph and the baby could be found. It's also said that it took somewhere between two months and up to two years for the wise men to make that trek. Come on, that's faithfully willing to exalt the Lord. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 2. It says, when the newborn king, where is the newborn king of the Jews? The wise men are asking this. We saw his star as it rose and have come to worship him. They were determined to find this newborn baby, this long-awaited Messiah, and just worship him. Up to two years it took them to travel, to follow this star, to find this baby, just to worship. And I wonder how many of us are willing to make that sort of sacrifice. To make the journey not really sure what we're going to find at the other side. Nevertheless, we're willing to go the distance to worship Jesus. I wonder today, have you determined in your heart, Lord, this is my desire. Lord, I'm going to praise you no matter what. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice. Look at your neighbor and say, it's got to keep going. Come on, write it in the chat. It's got to keep going. It's a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Two things I see. Number one, it's continual. 
It's ongoing. Our praise cannot be confined to a Sunday morning, 20-minute worship experience, but our worship to God, our praise to God, our exulting to God has got to be a regular part of the DNA of our lives. It's got to be on repeat in the playlist of our lives. And number two, it's sacrificial. Let me ask this. Are you always going to feel like worshiping? No. Can I be completely honest with you? I am not a morning person at all. It's true. It's true. Now, when we get here in worship, you're going to think, man, pastor, what's going on? How many cups of coffee? I haven't had any. Just water. It's all I got. My wife on the way to church this morning, I'm, I, I'm driving, and I probably haven't said a single word the entire trip. And she looks at me, she goes, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, Why? Truth be told, when I come in on a Sunday morning, I'm not energized. I'm not geared up. I'm not ready to give God a praise. I'm a little bit tired. I'd rather be napping. But when I get into that moment, when I get into the presence of God, when I begin to worship him, something begins to stir on the inside of me, an excitement and a passion and a hunger and a longing that can't be contained, that I've got to let out, that I've got to give him a praise. Why? Because he's worthy of praise. It's got to be continual. It's got to be sacrificial. Number three, be willing to faithfully welcome him. Listen carefully. You've got to leave the door of your life open to Jesus. Here's the deal. Something is going to come knocking at the door of your heart. Something is going to begin to play on the mental playlist of your life. And if we're not careful, we push Jesus to the side and we allow all the junk of the world to become the priority. Here's our third verse. Yea, Lord, we greet thee. Born this happy morning, Jesus, to thee all glory given, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Again, I'm reminded of Mary, the choice that she had to make. She could have said, Lord, I'm going to micromanage this. Lord, here's what's going to happen. Lord, I'm laying out my terms of agreement. Right? She could, have, she could have done that. But instead, she said, I'm your servant. May everything you have said about me come true. How about, how about you this morning? Can you honestly say, Lord, whatever you have planned... Lord, I welcome that. Lord, you're the one in charge. I'm not in charge. Lord, you hold the whole world in your hands, and I'm part of that world. So, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Lord, you're going to call the shots because I can only see now. But, Lord, you've got the world. You know the future. Lord, you know what's going on. Lord, I'm going to trust you. So may everything you have said, may it come true. Truth be told, that's difficult. I mean, we live in the show me state, right? I mean, show me, show me the truth, show me the pudding, show me everything, whatever. I want to see what's going on. But with Jesus, we've got to be willing to say, Lord, whatever you have. What we understand is that he's not confined and limited 
in his ability, in his knowledge. He's the almighty, he's all-knowing, he's all-present God. In fact, in Isaiah 55, it says this, God speaking, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. My thoughts are nothing like yours. My ways are beyond yours. Are you willing today to faithfully pursue what he has for you? We wrap up today. We've got an application that I want to give you. Begin. Come on, you got to start someplace. Begin to worship him wholeheartedly. Not with reservation. Not with stipulations. Not with terms of agreements. But Lord, whatever you have, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I felt it was necessary to look at the course of the song. Now, the musician in me dissects songs, and, and the course as it stands is the foundation of the song. The verse and the bridge, oftentimes they will add and bring extra meaning to the song. But in order to really grab a hold of the song, you, grab, you have to understand the course. And here the course is very simple. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. So it's pretty obvious the, the theme of the course is what? Oh, come, let us adore him. You guys are quick. Oh, come, let us adore him. God has not called us to a life of religion and regulations, but one of relationship and real life. That's what God's called us to. Take a look at what it says in Luke chapter 16. No one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Now, I understand that this scripture is talking about money. But the same rings true in every part of our lives. We can't serve two masters. We can't have two favorite playlists. It's either the things of God or it's, it's not. It's either the, the truth of God or it's the lies of the enemy. What are we going to allow to go on repeat in our lives? Now, the word love here, it literally means to welcome, to be fond of, to love dearly. Now, in our course, it uses the word adore. We don't use the word adore a whole lot. But rather than just saying, I love God, now we have the opportunity to say, Lord, I adore you. Lord, I welcome you. Lord, I love you with all that is in me. That's the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. It goes on to say, the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. See, the only way we can love our neighbors is if we really love God. That's the foundation of it all today. I wonder, are you willing to step out? Even when it really doesn't make sense, 
even when you can't wrap yourself around it, even when you don't know what the next three, four, five, six steps are, are you willing to faithfully, faithfully pursue Jesus? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Lord, I pray. Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.